Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Alhamdulillah. <coughs> نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في كتابه الكريم بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون وقال الله سبحانه وتعالى في مكان ثاني يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما صدق الله العظيم ان شاء الله ان Today's khutbah, I'll start, uh, start off with a couple of stories from the lives of the Sahaba, specifically the lives of two of the Khulufai Rashidin. And inshallah, then connect to some of the ayat from Surah Al-Anam. Allah, uh, one of the stories is about Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu an, <coughs> that Umar al-Khattar radiallahu an found out about him that he used to go to one of the houses after Salatul Fajr and spend some time and he would come out. And Umar al-Khattab was very familiar with all the things Abu Bakr was in general involved in. So Umar was curious. What was Abu Bakr Siddiq was doing right after Fajr? He's done with the Fajr Salah. He will go visit the house and then spend some time and come out. So Umar wanted to know what Abu Bakr was doing in there. So Umar, after Abu Bakr came out of the house, he followed. And he entered the house, and he found an old woman in there, whose handicap could not move, and was blind. So he asked the woman about Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu an. He did not say Abu Bakr. He just say, what does the man do when he comes into this house? And the response of the old woman was very interesting. She said, Wallahi, I don't know son. I don't know him son. He comes every day after Fajr. He cleans up the house. And then cooks for me. And then he leaves. Now Umar al-Khattab radiallahu an. He found out what Abu Bakr was doing. And when Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu an passed away, he continued the task that Abu Bakr was doing. And one day, the woman asked, Umar, what happened to your friend? Did he die? Subhanallah. She's a blind woman. Umar is thinking that he is doing the job that Abu Bakr was doing. And he asked, or she asked, that 
What happened? Did he, did he die? And Umar al-Khattab was surprised. He asked, how do you know? Why you ask this? And her response was that when he used to give her the dates, he used to take the seeds out. He used to remove the seeds. Subhanallah, how, how accurate she, she was to figure out that's not Abu Bakr anymore. And how detail-oriented Abu Bakr was at taking care of the old woman as much as he could, could have done. And he was the Khalifa. He was the head of the state. He is not just some regular person who has a lot of time in his hands. He's the same person who when he became the Khalifa, he started trying to go to the market so he can sell something and make some earnings for the family. And when Omar saw him, he said, where are you going? What are you doing? You cannot be involved in the business while you have the burden of all the Muslimin on your neck. So upon that, it was decided that Abu Bakr will continue to get some stipend from the Baytul Mal because of he cannot spend the time for work. So the stipend was just enough to take care of the basic needs, basic needs of Abu Bakr and the dependents of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu And when Abu Bakr was on his deathbed, and he was, uh, he ruled about two years and three months or so. A little over two years. And the stipend that he was getting out of that, what he had left with that was, when, when he's on his deathbed, one slave he had, and, and something else, which is a very small amount. So he returned everything that was with him, that came from the Baytul Mal. And he did not stop there. He wanted to pay back everything that he took from Baytul Mal. While he was not able to work because of the task that he was doing, because he wanted to do everything for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He did not want anything to come in between. And he did not have enough. So he had a garden. He made sure that that should be sold. And he will return everything that he took from Baytul Mal. Subhanallah. And Umar radiallahu anh, when he saw that, in both the stories, his words were, I still remember, that... Umar radiallahu he cried when he found out how, the, how he was taking care of the woman. He said, the Khalif Khulafa are tired after you, are going to be tired after you. They cannot catch up with what you have been doing. And same thing, similar things he said about when he returned the wealth. Now the very same Umar al-Khattab radiallahu one of the stories mentioned about Umar was that he was with Talha bin Ubaidullah. And he entered a house, spent some time and came out. It might be the same woman Omar was taking care of because the story is similar. So now Talha bin Ubaidullah, he followed Omar to find out what does Omar do in this house. And subhanAllah, he found out an old woman, blind, cannot move. And Omar was just entering and taking care of her affairs and leaving. Talha bin Ubaidullah, who's reporting this story, he said to himself, he said to himself, may your mother breathed over you, cry over you. Meaning, it's expression, which is like, a mother loses the son. That you doubted Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu. This is how the Sahaba were. 
This is how Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam trained them. Especially when we talk about Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu an and Umar bin Khattab. They were the close ones of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You'll find many ahadith which are talking about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was with Umar and Abu Bakr together. So all three used to be together a lot of time. As a matter of fact, one of the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam talks about them as these were the ones, these were the, the wazirs of Rasulullah sallallahu on the earth. The two wazirs in the heavens were Jibreel and Mikael, and on the earth were Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhuma. The very same Umar who was saying that Abu Bakr is making the life very difficult. Look what he was doing in his life. And this is a famous story. Most of you may have heard it. But I'd like to reiterate, we may find something new in it. So he used, he used to patrol during the night times. Why? Because Umar understood the severity of the burden on his shoulders. So he wanted to know how the ummah is, how the subject he is responsible for, for, uh, uh, for he is ill. He, how, how, how's the ummah doing? So one time as Aslam, one of the servants of Umar al-Khattar who was with him, used to patrol with him. So he was walking during the night time. They saw from the far that there's a woman with some a pot on the fire. So they came closer to the woman and they saw the children, children were crying. So he asked the woman first, he conveyed the salam and he said, can we come close to you? And her response was, if you have something good, you can come close. If not, then go away. When he came closer to her, he asked, why are the children crying? And her response was, because they are hungry. And so she said, he said, why don't you give them the food? He, she said she doesn't have any food except some water in the pot which is boiling. So the kids may be thinking that the food is getting ready and after a while they will cry and they will fall asleep. And then she said something strange. And Allah will judge between us and Umar on the Day of Judgment. She did not know she's talking to Umar al-Khattab, by the way. And Umar said, how would Umar know your situation? And the response of the lady was, when Umar took, took charge of the Ummah, it's up to him to find out how we are. So now the burden was on Umar al-Khattab. Now right away, Umar bin Khattab runs back to Baytul Mal. He gets some flour, some, uh, some fat, some, some oil, whatever he could find from the Baytul Mal. And he put it on his shoulder, he started walking back. And Aslam said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, let me carry your burden. And Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anh said, are you going to carry my burden on the Day of Judgment? This is how the Sahaba were about the responsibility Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed on them. Whether they were at the position when they were the rulers over the subject, or whether they were individuals. When we talk about Abu Bakr, Umar, and Talha bin Ubaidullah, all three of them were from the Ashra Mubashra. These were the ten, see, these three were from the ten, to whom Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi gave them the glad tiding of the Jannah in this dunya. So they were guaranteed the Jannah 
but look at their actions they were still striving making sure that they are successful making sure that they on the day of judgment when they are in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they will enter into Jannah now after talking about all this the question comes to the mind what made them the way they were what made Umar bin Khattab to act the way he acted what made Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu to act the way he acted? Or Talha bin Ubaidullah, or Ali, or, or and on and on and on. We can go continue on the line of the Sahaba. What made them the way they acted? What made them the best generation? Is it only for them? Or are we supposed to, can we do the very similar things or not? We know that Sahaba were the best generation as a whole. At the same time, we also know that as individuals, Sahaba could make mistakes. Sahaba could make mistake. We're not saying that Sahaba collectively ever make mistake because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with them and they are pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now moving to the thing that made them, the Sahaba the way they acted was the full submission to the wahi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To the wahi of Allah. Whatever was revealed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they followed it without any ifs and buts. That's what made them the way they were. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Anam, and Surah Al-Anam is a surah, most of the brothers and sisters who are, who are uh, uh, joining the Salat al-Tarawih, it was probably recited last night, and or last, well, the night before last night. Surah Al-Anam talks about an issue probably a lot of us here just continue to discuss all the time, about the things which are allowed for us to eat and not to eat. Zabiha or non-Zabiha? Don't, don't, don't worry, I'm not going to discuss, have a khutbah about Zabiha meat here. Okay? But the, 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 the surah does talk about which animals are allowed, which animals are not allowed, which animals are allowed, which the name of Allah is taken or not taken, intentionally not intentionally taken. It's a fiqh issue. I would suggest go read about it. There's a ikhtilaf about that. Whichever you are, you, you agree with, follow that one. That's about it, about that issue. As far as the Dabi Hamid goes. Now, but before this, Allah Azza is talking about something else, which is comprehensively about the deen as a whole. Not to think about just deen is about the meat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O Muhammad, shall I seek a judgment other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? While it is He who has sent down up to you, uh, onto you the book. Mufassala, which explains the things in detail. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ آتَيْنَهُمُ الْكِتَابَ يَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّهُ مُنَزَّلٌ مِنْ رَبِّكَ بِالْحَقِّ وَلَا تَكُونَنَّا مِنَ الْمُمْتَرِينَ If you have any doubts, go ask the people of the book. See, people of the book were aware of the truthfulness of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the messengership of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in another place, يَعْرِفُونَهُ كَمَا يَعْرِفُونَ أَبْنَاهُمْ They know him, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as they know their children, as their sons. They recognize him as the messenger of Allah like that. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, مِنَ الْمُنْتَرِينَ Don't be the one who doubts. Of course, this is not about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the one who's doubting here. He was not the one who was doubting. Anybody who has doubts, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is clarifying to them. And it's more of a question in a way, the answer is there. It's, 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 it's a rhetoric question. The answer is there. 
as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala afa hukm al-jahiliyyatu yabghun wa man ahsanu min allahi hukm al-liqawmi yuqinun are you looking for the judgments about what is halal what is haram what is allowed what is not allowed from other than Allah what Allah has revealed even though you know there's nothing better than what Allah has revealed what Allah has revealed is the final word and it has to be followed and it has a comprehensive solutions for all the problems that we have faced in the past, we are facing today, and we will face until the day of judgment. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We have revealed this book that explains, explains everything. That's what the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us. And then, in Surah Al-Alam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And the word of your Rabb has been fulfilled in truth and in justice. None can change his words. And he is the all-hearer and all-knower. This is what is about the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the Sahaba followed. And we find these examples as gems for us to follow when we see the examples of the Sahaba. And then the ayah says, وَإِن تُطِعْ أَكْثَرَ مَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ يُدِلُّوكَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ إِنْ يَتَّبِعُونَ إِلَّا الذَّنَّ وَإِنْ هُمْ إِلَّا يَخْرُسُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and if you follow the majority of the people on the earth, they will misguide you from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will misguide you. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, it's not I am saying, or somebody else is saying, or majority of us are saying, no, Allah is saying, if you follow the majority of the people on the earth, they will misguide you. And there are many ayat like this where Allah Azzawajal says, Majority of the people are the one who do not, have, do not think, the one who do not have knowledge, the one who do disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the majority of the people. So hence not think that majority is the one that's going to decide what is right and wrong. Majority is the one that can rule the people in justice. And many of us, most of us probably here, are considered as minority anyways and we see the fruits of the majority rule. One time or other in our lives. I haven't seen it, we will see him inshallah. <laughs> I would not say inshallah, but this is unfortunate if the rule goes on like that, that's inevitable. It's inevitable. That is going to happen. The reason I'm bringing this up, and after that, Allah Azza wa Jal does talk about that, إِنَّ رَبَّكَهُ عَالَمُ مَنْ يَدِلُّ عَنْ سَبِيلِ وَهُوَ عَالَمُ بِالْمُحْتَدِينَ For sure, indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has the knowledge of who's on the guided path and who's the one who's on the misguided path. And then Allah Azza wa Jal does talk about the meat, does talk about if the name of Allah is taken or not, under that the meat should be taken out. And I'm not trying to undermine, this is an important hukum. And in Islam, whether it's a small hukum from Allah, or a big hukum from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to follow all. So let's not think, I am trying to undermine that. It is important. But don't think that this juz of Islam is the kul. Or this part of Islam is a comprehensive Islam. Islam deals with all affairs of life. Hence, we should be very careful about every action that we are undertaking, individually or collectively. We make sure that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with that. We want to be forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. This is why we gather here, we fast in the month of Ramadan. 
And we know the month of Ramadan is a month of the Quran. It's the month of Maghfirah. As the hadith of Rasulullah talks about this month, and this hadith is like this. Rasulullah was climbing the member and he said, Ameen, Ameen, Ameen three times. And Sahaba, they heard that he's just saying Ameen, but they did not hear what he's saying Ameen too. So they asked Rasulullah what, what happened. And Rasulullah mentioned that when I was taking the first step, Jibreel came. And he said to me that man adraka shahr Ramadana walam yufar lahu fadakhal nara fabadahu Allahu qul amin. So Jibril came and he said, if somebody he finds the month of Ramadan and he does not get forgiven, he will enter into the hellfire. So he'll enter into hellfire. And Jibril said to Rasulullah Sallam, say amin. And Rasulullah Sallam said amin. Similarly, next step, Jibreel said to Rasulullah if somebody finds both his parents or one of the parents and he did not take care of them, did not respect them, he will enter into hellfire. Say Ameen, Rasulullah said Ameen. And the third one he said, when the name of Muhammad is taken in front of someone and he does not, does not send his, the, the blessings and the prayer on Rasulullah he will enter into hellfire. And he said, say Ameen, Rasulullah said Ameen. So we understand, number one thing, this hadith is in, in which the dua of who's making is Jibreel, the best of the malaika, the leaders of the malaika. And the one who's saying Ameen to the dua is the best of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So that dua is talking about, we better get forgiven, inshallah, we try our best. To do the acts that can have ourselves forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this month of Ramadan. And to gain the forgiveness, one of the key things is to follow Allah and His Messenger. That can cause, that can result into our forgiveness. This is where the guarantee lies. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is guaranteeing here. If you love Allah, then follow me, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Say to them, that's the, what is the love of Allah from the man towards Allah? So follow Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. What is the love of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala towards us? Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala forgives us. So for us to be worthy of love of Allah, for us to love Allah, we have to follow Allah and His Messenger. So let's make sure that we are the ones who follow Allah and His Messenger in all our affairs of life, so we can try to emulate the life of Muhammad and the best generation about whom the stories we read all the time. So we can act like them. That's the thing the Quran and Sunnah that was brought up with. That's the thing that made them who they were. Otherwise they were all also in the Jahiliyyah. The one who took them out of the Dulumat into Noor was Islam. The Quran that Muhammad brought. وَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا أَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهِ Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and seerah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.